0: Everyone naively believes that it's about the music, but it's about the money. Dude, I could have been on Twitch for a decade now. Why are you turning your family vacation into a job? Number go up machines is what a lot of things on the internet are. Philosophers. Philosophers. So you had a topic this week? I did, and we just debated the whole audience who can't tell us apart by you starting first. <laughs> I know, yes. <laughs> um So, yeah, I did. Um I can't remember what YouTube channel I was watching when I saw this, but um the the premise of the video was it could could go a lot like a Jerry Seinfeld bit. Where it discussed how the concept of selling out is in vogue. Yes. It's like, what's the deal with people selling out these days and being celebrated? Like, that's what I mean. Hustle culture. Hustle. Yes. Hustle culture. Brands. I hear the word brand way too much. Oh, do you? I really do. I feel like I don't hear it very much, but go on. Well, okay i think we're the, exposed to different things we we are but the concept okay people as brands now that's kind of weird it, it, that okay i do yeah that is weird that's what i mean i guess i mean and and. Uh, let's go back okay before we go down this too much to, to kind of help illustrate the point back so in the before times in the before times so i was not as much of a netizen as you back in the day Mm -hmm. i I remember the old net old net um but i was not a huge surfer of the old net i was more of a troller of the old net we'll say um but i do remember listening to like alternative rock and punk music back in the day and it used to be like a huge social faux pas to be referred to as a sellout yes i think it still is it's, it would still be a bad thing if you were called a sellout. Like, that is not a positive term. Um, but we have come up with new words for it that don't sound as bad. Right. For the same thing. Yeah. And what is a sellout? Like, before we go too far, you know, what? what is... How would you describe well, okay. it? Okay, specifically as it relates to something like punk rock... Um, okay, like, punk rock's whole thing is being against the system, mm-hmm. right? Nonconformity. Andy, yeah, yeah, nonconformity against the status quo um and part of the status quo is the world of business um so as soon as you become part of the world of business you are a sellout um yep and yeah basically as soon as the thing you're doing is more about the money than it is about the culture or the music or whatever it is that you're doing you are a sellout yeah, it be? Yeah, exactly. I think that's really what it is. And you'll you will be accused of being a sellout as soon as it is at all about money, whether it's yep. m- mostly about the money or not. As soon as any money becomes involved, you are accused of being a sellout. Yep, absolutely. Es- especially in in those cultures. Yeah, right. Um, like you may be able to slide under the radar a little bit. Like for example, you you could be a punk rock band that still charged money to go to a show, and you may not be called a sellout. But there's like an artificial, but if your ticket price is not like $15, $10, something like that, if there, if your ticket prices go up to be equal to that of like a pop star act, you're a sellout, you mm-hmm. know, because it's about the money. If you do a brand deal, if, if I see Violent J from the Insane Clown say, Posse in a subway ad, he's a sellout. I was going to say, yeah, like acceptable ways for a punk rock band to make money are selling concert tickets and like t-shirts, right? maybe um, albums to and, the and yeah and, and selling the albums themselves yeah no one's going to complain about that because well especially back in the day you had to buy physical media for everything mm-hmm. so and that costs money to produce so you're basically just paying the artist back for the the upfront cost that they paid to go to a studio and record the thing and then make a an album right so that's fine no one's going to call you a sellout for doing that um and for like paying for your own food like that like no one expects you to be a starving artist but if you appear on a commercial, you are a sellout. Like that, that is definitely a way for that to happen. Another way that I think you almost instantly are going to get called out as a sellout, and I remember this is if your album doesn't have the parental advisory sticker on it. Mm, you're you're, yeah. you're selling out to the label. Yes, that that because, was the other because base the label sellout, yeah. will sell more if you don't have that that sticker on there because parents aren't going to be spooked right and so those are i think the two biggest ways you can be labeled to sell it if you appear on an ad like your your diehard fans are going to like hate you for it Mm -hmm. and if they notice that your music gets worse and this is something that kind of sucks because i've seen this happen before where that doesn't happen very often but i've seen it happen before where like you know artists that go like really hard will turn around and make like a soft pop like a soft rock album that is maybe what they actually like to listen to from when they were growing up and they get called to sell up because they don't go hard on the pain enough or because it gets misconstrued. as like, man, I bet you they caved to the record label. They stopped fighting the man and became a part of the system, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, how, I think that's how it would be described. If you ask someone deep in the weeds on, it. it's like, how does, what does it mean to be a sellout? It's like, you stop fighting this power and you start fighting the system and the man, and you become a part of the system, dude, you become a part of society. <laughs> like, a a funny thing with that, that that okay that's a very punk rock culture thing, oh, yeah. um, but then there are other cultures in in music subcultures in music that still acknowledge selling out, but the stigma is not quite as high, and there's like some sort of like meta irony to it. Um, like my favorite example is Rush. Um, okay, so Rush has a lot of political songs, absolutely. Um, which are yeah I, I, which i imagine from the label's perspective are not fit for consumption by the masses um you know it's either it's either uh you know strong uh political imagery against the status quo or um just very deep stuff that most people don't want to hear on the radio things like that but then they also have a fair number of radio hits yeah right which are just like songs that anyone can enjoy and The most meta ironic one is the spirit of radio, Mm -hmm. which is the radio hit, but it's all about selling out to the system. Yeah. And about how the whole the the actual spirit of radio is commercial advertising. Like that's the whole that's the message of the thing. Yeah. Is that everyone naively believes that it's about the music, but it's about the money. Yeah. And I think that's one of the ways you can kind of sell out under the radar. Like you can sell out as long as you you can sell out as long as you make songs about selling out and then people are like, Yeah. That makes sense. Even though you're selling out while you do it. I think right. Co- or, um, Oh, uh, who, Oh goodness. Uh, is it, is it Billy Squire who did the, uh, the stroke? Uh, maybe I that, think that song is also about selling out. Um, what is selling out for country music artists? I, I think I know what it I, is. I, I feel like I don't know enough of the history of country music to answer that. I, I have an image in my head of like bro country, Um, (laughs) of like just a meaningless tunes about yeah just just the stuff that the the target demographic can relate to but doesn't say anything of substance all right so let me give an example johnny cash was he a sellout i don't know oh i don't know if you listen i I mean i i know i know johnny cash but i i'm not like really familiar with his work right well he was known for being very defiant against the system like man in black and all that like he played in prisons and stuff like that so he was definitely, he had a lot more countercultural elements than a lot of country does. Because this is the weird thing about country music, I think, this is just a quick aside. Country music has kind of, not, not always, but for a lot of its history, been very conservative. But also very highly, it, it, it holds in high esteem the cowboy right at the heart of the country vibe is the cowboy imagery which is the self-sufficient rugged individual mm-hmm. but country also is like super conservative in the way that it like really loves the military it really which is like the biggest embodiment of the man there is, mm-hmm. is the military industrial complex but country doesn't like so they don't talk about the military industrial complex well no but like the, you can't they have... just talk about the strong soldier man right right or not or not maybe not even about the strong soldier man but like just the the image of the strong patriot right like there's enough overlap where they can get away with it so you making songs about god bless the usa and that's the other thing country is very religious yes and a lot of its imagery um so the church man is not a sellout angle so what is and i feel like in order to sell out in country you have to which is kind of weird because bro country doesn't like hold uphold this at all which is so weird to me that it it is even considered country it's becoming wealthy and comfortable mm. like you don't suffer enough anymore like that's kind of a sellout thing because both of those things are things that are commonly held in regard with that i I guess bro country doesn't talk about the struggle really as much or at least my my image of again this is not something i listen much to um but simplicity though yeah it it is all about enjoying the simpler things in life though um of course the cliche like beer girls and trucks like that's that is the life of bro country it's it's yes trucks beer and then girl slash dog like one of the two right sometimes and and the most struggle it might get is having to choose between your girl or your dog (laughs) (laughs) one of them won't hunt but anyway (laughs) 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 so yeah that's interesting but but yeah i guess the point i think we're trying to get at here is in the before times selling out was a bad thing like universally unilaterally a bad thing they what it meant to sell out may have changed in the different cult subcultures but there is a general spirit of anti-commercialization that also happened to ride the back of commercialization you know in reality mm-hmm. because nothing gets made without money nothing albums don't get made they don't get recorded they don't get produced and marketing. if you're hearing it on the radio money was involved like. right <laughs> and how quickly we've seen things like podcasts go down that road like the podcasts are what maybe 10 years old 20 ish years old at this point like it depends on who you consider i'm gonna say like 15 yeah yeah we'll say about 15 years old like there may have been some like web radio shows that are kind of like the earliest iteration of the podcast but what most people think of today when they think of the podcast is probably the most famous podcast out there the joe rogan experience yes (laughs) joseph r experience yes produced by joseph r experience yes (laughs) (laughs) oh man But, yeah, where it's essentially just a guy who talks to an interesting TM person for three straight hours about everything. Mm -hmm. And those sold out so fast um, because they're on major distribution networks and stuff like that. But, so anyway, so that that's 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 the old times of selling out in like at least in the radio and music space which i think is where it's the most prominent um definitely where it started Mm -hmm. yeah where there there was a a, an anti-selling out culture for sure which propped up people who sold out exactly um yeah because the only people that you ever heard about that sung about selling out sold out um Unless you had like or, a local, yeah. Anyone band. who made it was a sellout, and and like and, and and you could identify the most diehard fans by the people who knew them before they made it, right? I think the only exception to that rule is the Grateful Dead. To be honest, okay. Um, I don't like the Grateful Dead personally. I think you have to be on drugs to enjoy the Grateful Dead. And I'm just going to stake my claim on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on board with that. Yeah, but I think they're one of the only groups that actually never sold out because. no one would take them no one no one was willing to like buy what they were selling (laughs) except for deadheads and that is like one of the most countercultural groups out there except for like juggalos maybe you know what a juggalo is no okay you've ever heard the term before yes okay what context i'm curious not very many contexts okay so a juggalo is it's the name for a fan of the insane clown posse. So the way you can identify a juggalo is usually by their face paint. They wear face paint like clowns. So okay, white base, black like uh splotches on top, right? And they're like deadheads, but they they will follow the insane they used to anyway. Follow the insane clown posse around and go to their shows and stuff and like there's it's a really weird strong but very strong subcultural group um like they have like code words and stuff okay they will whoop at each other it's, it's actually a term <laughs> it's called they, they'll go like whoop whoop like at each other and if that's how they they know like for example that you're one of them is they'll do it back and it's just very all about the it's weird. It's like the precursor <laughs> to furry culture almost. Oh dear. Except with like makeup. Great. Yeah. Very strange. Oh, so that's tangent for juggalos. They're interesting. Um, I would, I, I've had a topic in the backlog. Yeah. It's yeah, been there for a long time. Yeah. Meta. Met Meta moment here on philosophers. I've had a topic to do like a write up of the philosophy of like a noble juggalo for a long time. Cause I feel like that would be very funny and interesting, but he I is. cannot bring myself to do it. <laughs> so that's selling out. What about now? We have brands now. Nowadays, and I think this comes back to the video that I watched, they talked about how now, instead of being a sellout, right? So say you're a band that's gaining in popularity because you don't need to go through record labels anymore to attain popularity. You can use the internet to become popular. Mm -hmm. But to companies, you know, developing a product is easy. procuring manufacturing for that product also easy especially if it's non-physical product like if it's a software product you can mint it oh, free. yeah you know there's all sorts of things that are. It, it's just it, all of those parts of making things are super easy the hard part is marketing that's mm-hmm. why it's so expensive getting people to actually come to your virtual store right and buy it because literally anyone can do this it's the yeah. hardest part is eyeballs yeah. getting eyeballs on your product Oh yeah, and so how do you get your product out there? Well, one of the easiest ways it used to be is celebrity endorsements. Like, mm-hmm. have a celebrity come in and do an ad for you, or do product placement in television shows and movies. Like, put and and you still see this with the bigger brands, right? Like Coca, like next. If you don't believe me, go watch a movie and notice that all the cars are made by the same company, mm-hmm. for example, or maybe two companies sometimes. Uh, or two brands owned by the same parent company (laughs) exactly um if they're drinking coke in one scene every soda is a coke and there's a can or a bottle nearby there you will not see a pepsi machine in the entire movie right you know um just as an example um and so the relationship between the former content creator slash artist and the brand was that the brand already existed they already had a established pipeline they made the product anyway they just paid for the person to come and shill the product now it's you know it's a lot easier to just become a part of the product like god how many celebrity alcohol companies exist these days oh geez every yeah like every rapper every pop artist has their own brand of liquor these days yeah that's weird like dan Aykroyd from of snl and ghostbusters fame has his own tequila or vodka i think who cares who cares arnold schwarzenegger has his own tequila or vodka or something like why Well, it's because they realize that why would i i've people been selling out so hard for so long they're like wait a minute if it's this easy to put the rest of it together why would i go make some other company Money when I could invest in the company and also be the face of it. And I think the biggest example of this is Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Ring doorbells. All of their ads for the longest time had Shaq in them because he bought a sizable investment in the company. And then a part of his investment deal with the owners of the company was to be in their ads and do the ads for them. He does that for them, the general car insurance. Mm hmm just a ton of things like he is in so many ads because he own and he owns sizable portions of all these companies you know and but he's not called a sellout and it's permeated down to like even b, b and c tier content creators these days um and i think this is where you wanted to kind of talk a little bit about like how youtube is different now than it used to be when it comes to this perspective yes. so back Back in the before times, and these before times are a little bit later. Um, really, like I'm thinking, like between 2004 and 2012. So, like, chocolate rain era. Yes. Um. So, like, yeah, the very beginning of YouTube. I guess YouTube didn't really assume its its current form until like 2006 or something like that. Um. But anyway. Uh, the early days of like YouTube and Twitch, um, where it, it, the, the web was mostly still just funny jokes and people throwing up their own sites and, and forums and stuff like that. Um, and this whole video sharing thing was pretty new and, and it was all wacky and weird. And like, this is why like the most, the, all the most well-known memes are the oldest videos on YouTube. Um, I should look sometime and see when uh, Rick Astley's "Never Gonna Give You Up" was first posted on YouTube. A long time ago. Yes, a- around that time. Um, so anyway, the the idea that you could make money by posting videos on on YouTube was completely foreign during that time. Uh, in the in the very beginning, it wasn't even an option. And then, even after it became an option, it was a while before it was like a viable a job for somebody um and i i don't remember so much of a controversy around ads i think I, i'm i'm sure there was um but i i don't i don't remember experiencing much much controversy about that but the big thing was about people yeah either accepting sponsorships from folks which wasn't much of a thing back then um but especially like asking for donations mm. um if you like this kind of video donate here that is extremely common these days with stuff like Patreon or just direct donation uh, uh, services that that people will go through. Um, so, if you did that, you were basically seen as like a pathetic beggar. A sellout almost. In yeah. A similar way. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different type of sellout. Sure. But, well, the, the idea is the same. It's like, oh, you're not doing this because it's cool. You're doing it for money. Right. And that's decidedly not cool um yeah the reason i would emulate you is not for the money i would emulate you or do what you do because it's a cool job to have and it's an awesome thing to be doing well not it's not a cool job to have because we're not doing it for money Fair. it's just a cool thing to do yeah yeah exactly um but then yeah uh, uh, i'm thinking around like 2012 2013 is when that started to change um so somewhere in there when YouTube uh, ad revenue became a viable option for a lot of folks to turn it into a job. And then people started uh, accepting sponsorships and things like that. Yeah. That culture started to change and then it turned into what it is today, which is we need to prop up these creators. They're doing such an important thing, um, you know, and, and support your favorite creators by either donating or buying merch or whatever, um, Yeah. And that, and there there's all this stuff is seen as as valuable by the community, but that's just not how it was. That was a totally foreign concept. And one one of my favorite things that I, that I see with, with some of the, the old timers, it, this is especially true of, of, uh, like Twitch streamers because streamers, unlike YouTubers, uh, have to contend with a live audience and the live audience, uh, will ask questions that have been asked hundreds of times before, because it's their first day there. Um, so my favorite is when someone who has been watching like a Twitch streamer for a little bit says, how did you like, what was it like starting this and like turning, you know, how long did it take you to turn this into a job or whatever? And he's just like, well, back when I started, nobody was doing this as a job. Like you this couldn't be done and you would be called a sellout if you tried. Um, So like a, a lot of the really established uh, Twitch streamers and, and YouTube channels and stuff. Started back in the in that before time, and then used their notoriety to turn it into a job once that became culturally acceptable. I was just looking at when when Patreon was founded. Mm. It was twenty thirteen, so you were really really on the mark. I was pretty spot on. Then. <laughs> pretty yeah. spot on. And I think this whole ethos is like this attached itself to the term content creator which i imagine came out around the same time right Mm in 2012 and i think this term probably was coined more by the people that looked at what these people were doing as ways they could market than by them people themselves you know like for example yeah well just like an objection that i raise all the time both on this show and in personal life i really don't like the word content at all for any of this stuff mm-hmm. because it it reduces the the thing that somebody put put effort into as mere content, right? This is this is just filler, right? This is the stuff that we have to put here for it to be worth anything. Mm-hmm. But the the people who call it that don't really care about it. Right, that's my But that that describes that, that isn't true anymore. Because people just use that that word for everything, right? It's just a catch-all term for stuff people put online. But I still kind of reject the term for that reason. Yeah, but but I think the reason it came from those people is because think about it: if you're if you're Coca-Cola, bef- there was a point in time where they would never bother looking at a company like well, YouTube. But they looked at YouTube itself first. It's just a place where people went for sure. clicks, and they could put ads there. But they would never approach a content creator about it because they didn't have enough. Pers- they didn't have enough views. People they were not viewed enough, and they didn't realize. And also, if you're used to doing marketing, like anybody who's like anybody who's ever worked around marketing knows. But like, how much do you think an ad campaign costs? Like, if a company is trying to drive sale for a product, how much? Like, if you went like say, for example, we philosophers decided to approach a marketing company about getting our brand out there or getting philosophers, more viewers, Mm -hmm. you know, how much do you think it's going to cost? I have no idea. It, it it can cost anywhere from tens of thousands to hundreds of millions of dollars. Sure. So a a good example, blockbuster films, like triple a films these days, like a Marvel movie will spend about as much money making the movie as they will on marketing. They will spend hundreds of millions of dollars pushing the movie. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so there's, a I think two things that kind of happened. One, there was a realization from the marketer's perspective that there's not a whole lot of people over here, so we don't need to care about that. But when you realize that, well, we're already like, if you're Coca-Cola, like anybody who's anybody, everybody knows who that is already, right? So it doesn't make a lot of sense for you. But what they quickly began to realize is that, oh, YouTube and YouTube content creators from their perspective because they don't care who it is right they look at the content creator more for their audience who comes to consume that content because they don't care they really don't care what you're making as long as it attracts a certain demographic and youtube is an excellent vehicle for really cinching together targeted demographics right Mm -hmm. good example if you want to sell firearm ammunition or firearms accessories You could spend your money putting it on TV at like a basketball game where maybe 5% to 10% of the audience of that basketball game even owns a firearm or, and there might be a million people watching this game, right? And so you'll get 10 to 15,000 people, Mm -hmm. congratulations, you know, that are going to see your ad. Or you can go to a YouTube channel that's all about that thing and just pay way less money than it is for a tv time slot to actually hit that targeted demographic right that everyone watching is interested in your product which is yeah so you're going to see a lot higher conversion rates and i think that's what really kicked it off and those people that firearms accessory manufacturer in this case literally does not care what is being said in the video um they don't care what's going on as long as the person shills their product. Yeah, so long as the, the the host says thank you to whatever company for providing the ammo for today's mm-hmm. demonstration. Yeah. Yeah, so to them, it is content because the thing they care about is not what the person is doing. The thing they care about is their ad being put in front of people. So oh. it's the the main point to them. Everything else is just content. It's It exists so that there is a place to slot in our ad or our sponsorship, you know. Um... And I think with YouTube and Twitch and social media making demi-celebrities out of people, right? You no longer have the reigning celebrity class of people that are all concentrated in one place, like Hollywood. They're everywhere and they're demi-celebrities, but they also are... A lot of them are just... They were born normal people. They they had normal jobs before this. $50,000 for an ad spot for you to drop in a... like. I think the best content creator or the YouTuber that has like really opened my eyes to this was a donut operator of all people. So mm, he, okay. he he does not care. He he is 100% transparent about how much money he makes on YouTube and exactly how much he makes per video. And it is shocking to me how much money he makes from just making a... And, and for those of you who don't know him, it may not be your cup of tea, but he essentially is a former law enforcement officer who makes police encounter like breakdowns right that's what he does um and he's kind of a meme lord too sure but his videos are like eight to 12 minutes long of reviewing an incident and then it's that's the video um for one video like that to do like a 30 second ad read it's like 50 grand upfront cash plus some percentage of if you use my code at checkout whatever he gets kickbacks from that too so and it doesn't matter how many people watch his video it does not matter like he's gonna he's just getting that money yeah yeah and to a guy who was a cop before this who frankly cops don't make good money right he made it he might have made that in a year yeah now he can make it in a he just make a video one video a week and just absolutely live a stellar life right you know And to the person who's advertising them, it's a huge steal because, I mean, they're not having to compete. There are so many more slots for ads. The supply of content for which the demand of ads is seeking to be placed is so big. It drives down the cost. Well, And also, when it's a part of a video, it's a forever ad. Oh, yeah. People years from now will find that video and still see your ad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's there forever. It's part of the program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, you know, getting down to it, people, there are young people today and not just young people, but there are people today who actually believe in the viable alternative of being a content creator to a career. Like it, it is a career path now. Um, I don't know about you, but if I, I as I, I remember playing video games as a child, like 12, 13 years old and telling my parents, man, I really want to do this. And you know what, if I would have just done it, dude i could have been on twitch for a decade now like i could have been on right, Twitch you from you could the beginning. you could actually have been somebody on twitch had you actually mm-hmm. started then and taken it seriously but nobody took it seriously back then exactly and so but now people do take it seriously um but now everyone's trying at the same time so it's still almost impossible to get success sure but the, but it's proven it's a proven possibility like the possibility is not totally evaporated like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just a, harder and harder to find your niche exactly Um, because there are only so many niches that you can fill right but because so many people see this as an option and because they're a lot closer to their audiences than they used to be people I, i think that's really what's driven the change in attitude around selling out because these days you know when i see my preferred youtubers doing an ad i don't i don't i'm not upset at them for it you know in my head it's like gotta pay the bill somehow you know and i'm sure not over here donating to your patreon sure. so fine yeah go run ads keep the as long as you keep get to make as long as this is what helps you keep making these things so be it it's a it's a no-brainer price to pay for me and i can just get through ad anyway you know mm-hmm. um so i think that's what's really changed the culture around it and But it may be in somewhat of an unhealthy way too because anybody who's trying to do this cares about their online persona much more than they used to because now your online persona's reputation is monetizable in a way that it wasn't really before. Like back in the day, you cared about your online reputation because there may only be like 100 people on the forum and everyone knows your username and you don't want to get bullied for being the guy who necros bad threads or like old threads or like you know says dumb things and people just make fun of you for being dumb right right you don't want to be internet bullied in that way so you internet bullied or banned from the forum right but now it's like oh man i can't make a bad post because i might lose followers it's like well why do you care it's like well because like now there's a genuine reason why you might care because if you get enough followers instagram or twitter or whoever might actually reach out to you and offer you a deal to stay on their platform and, or companies will just reach out to you and say, hey, you have a million followers, we'll pay you $10,000 to tweet about this handbag line once. And we'll send you a free one. You know, like I remember being in college, um, so, university promotion was a was an interesting thing. Uh, did you ever meet someone who was like a university or brand ambassador or anything like that at a university? Did you ever run into anyone like that? No, I don't guess so. Yeah, so there was this program you could sign up for, and I, because I distinctly remember doing this because I really liked Monster Energy Drinks. I still do, and I did back then. Not sponsored. Not sponsored, but Monster, for real, reach out. I would, I'd sign it. Um, you could literally just pay me a Monster. I drink enough of it. But uh back in the day if you wanted to be a brand ambassador they would actually just pay you to wear monster merch on campus and drink it and advocate that your university put it in vending machines and stuff like and they would just send you a bunch of stickers and stuff and they would actually pay you money to just go around and like put stickers on like post boards and stuff like that like you know what i'm talking about like have you ever seen those like billboards at college university campuses bulletin boards bulletin boards yeah I, have you ever noticed that there are like a bunch of random stickers on them from like a bunch of different stuff i don't know that I paid that much attention if you do know what I'm talking about and you have awareness greater than one um like, you may have remembered or seen these things and these things were put there people were paid to put them there and that blew me away to think about later on as I thought it was just like low level vandalism because he he you know right I'm gonna put a monster energy sticker here because monster's cool and it's cool it looks cool and I'm cool and I'm not supposed to and I'm being bad and but no, they That's, got paid money to do no, that. No, they, they were sellouts. So they did that. <laughs> um, and so there was like kind of that level of it. Um, and and But you would get paid in like Monster. Like they would send you like a, a 30 pack of it just so that you would be sitting in your dorm room drinking it. And so other people would see it, you know, as a form of marketing, you know. Um, so it was there too. but. It's just everywhere now, and and there's like this whole idea around like monetizing your life slash you being a brand, like and and it's weird too because it's kind of like that, you know, um like if you're if you watch a YouTuber or a content creator or Twitch Twitch, what do they call people on Twitch? Just streamers, streamers. That's it. I was gonna say Twitchers, but that's probably not it. Um, streamers, you know a lot of them it's their name or it's their tag name but there is a growing number of them where it's just their name you know and they are the brand it's you know who they are and i think the crux of what we were trying to get to with this is like is that a bad thing or not and i think this is where you and i maybe disagree a bit about it Mm -hmm. um so like in general as it is right now like, do you think it is bad that there are people out there or that it is bad that it is a viable method for people to make a living by being a brand that way? I'm no. not, tr- I'm not trying to load the question. I am trying to get a figure out though, where, where you feel about I, it? I, I, or no, I, I don't think, I don't think that it is a bad thing that this is possible, right? I am an enjoyer of various Twitch streams and YouTube channels, um, And I acknowledge that many of these would not exist in the way they do today, if it weren't for this possibility. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, again, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the channels that I enjoy either started back in the day when you couldn't do this, um, or like most other folks started small when it wasn't still a viable job, but they worked their way up until it was. So maybe they would still exist, but in some sort of lesser form. Um, but I'm fine with them existing as they as they currently do. Um, I think I think where I start to draw the line is when like the the, the fact that it is possible drives people to it like it, it like diminishes things for other folks who think that like they have hopes of making it a real thing, but they don't actually have the initiative to do it, and it it detracts from other experiences so like as was as was mentioned uh, as, as we were discussing the topic before the show like if somebody goes on vacation or something like that and they're thinking about ooh, what pictures can i get to put on my instagram uh page to try to get more followers or impress my my existing followers or whatever and it's like or you could just enjoy your vacation mm. right like why are you turning your your family vacation into a job because a job that you're not even yet getting paid for You're just hoping that maybe one day it'll be worth something. Um, It's like, it's like the people who like, okay, this is the motivations for doing this are not even close to the same, but it reminds me of the folks who like go to music concerts and record it with their phone. And it's like, what are you doing? Your phone has a terrible camera by, by camera standards and a terrible microphone. You are never going to watch this recording again. Right um because it's objectively bad and you were there at the concert so why would you watch it again um or you could put your phone down and enjoy the concert um and you would be better off for doing that yeah but but if people don't know i went and i don't have proof in the form of video yeah you see what i mean yeah I, i get what you're saying there. but also who cares like Yeah. Do you remember a few years ago? I remember it may have been like five years ago now, but I remember there was like a weird phase of time where it was very common and popular for content creators to talk about creator burnout. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. That is very funny to think about where because these people monetize their lives, that includes burning out. Right. Um, And I, I remember seeing a bunch of different people making videos about like, I'm taking a break or I'm quitting this for now right they were they were doing the thing that they claimed was ruining their life right in the video it's it was like the version of spirit of the radio but for content creators yes in that way and i i think what you're talking about is a little different because it's people burning themselves out and not enjoying their life because they're chasing it they're chasing it yeah they're chasing something that they will probably never get and so they are they are diminishing the quality of other, of the things that they could be enjoying in life, hoping they can turn it into a job. Yeah. I would want to step back up one level to that to say that like, and address something, because I remember seeing that and thinking, boohoo, no one made you do this, right? That's how I felt about the content creator burnout phase. And I also felt like it was just a big ploy anyway to get yes. more attention. It certainly is. So I literally did not feel bad for any of them. And because the reality is, is that, that's any job. You you can have a job as a construction worker or a programmer and work yourself 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Most people that are entrepreneurs, which a lot of these people own their own brands or they they are the business, right? That's how it is for most owners of businesses, especially smaller businesses. Sure, owners of businesses. You could even have a really cool job, like be some really cool kind of engineer and burn yourself out yeah anyone can experience burnout mm-hmm. well but i mean particularly for entrepreneurs it's not un, it, it is common for them to literally live their job you know if you own a small business that's true yes it you, is it is more common for business owners to burn out because it is their life yeah they, yeah th- there is no nine to five for you you don't get to clock out at five when there's yeah fires. you don't you, yeah you don't get to clock out because yeah it if something happens to the business, that's ju- that's your life and all your employees' lives, right? They have to go figure out something else to do now. Right. Um, a lot of business owners feel feel a burden for all their employees as well. Yeah, they, different topic as to whether that's healthy or not. Well, um, what I was going to say is that I don't think that it, but what I am okay with it because it still is a choice at the end yes, of the day. And you it, chose to open a business. Well, and you can choose to let some fires burn. Yes. Like, I mean, and that's a skill in and of itself as knowing when choosing, to, choosing your fires. Yeah. Choosing your fires. Yeah. And, or structuring your business to be more fireproof. And I think the problem is with a lot of businesses and this goes doubly. So for people like content creators, where the wins of how much money you're making and this is the other thing I think is very common about business owners. There is no set income. It, it is almost entirely due to your, it, it your income is set largely by your performance but is also subject to things entirely outside of your control right Um, and so you can structure your business and your personal life in such a way that you are more resilient to downturns and changes and spending you know uh, habits of your clients and customers so it it just depends on what you want but i feel like a lot of small businesses operate on such thin margins and they are also trying to like get to that next level that they instead of taking time to reinvest in you can choose to either reinvest in earning more income, which, by the way, has a dynamic additional cost attached to it, or you can invest in becoming more solid, like more resistant. And a lot of people look at the path of resistant, increasing their resistance and say, but I'm not going to make any more money. So why would I do that when I can invest over here and make just make more money? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're going to have to spend a lot of that money on keeping that bigger business that you just built going. And it becomes even more fragile than it was before because you're instead of standing on a you know a step stool now you're standing on a six foot ladder you know and if you keep growing now you're standing on a 100 foot ladder and that's why I think you see a lot of small businesses crumble in such spectacular fashion like that is because they never bothered to reinvest and this goes doubly so for people that are trying to make brands their lives. So I think I, I think it's either more it's it's morally neutral to find like, morally neutral at best it works to me to, to that for that to exist you know but for the people who are doing it for it's not even their job or their life yet i don't know i i feel like people should be allowed lot I, I i disagree with it personally i think they should be allowed to well, i know the like, question was whether i think it's a good or a bad thing i think it's a bad thing i don't know i i think it's more morally neutral it's it's just rolling the dice right it's like an artist who spends all of their time you know printing lottery tickets in the form of their art Right, like there are plenty of garage bands that make a thousand songs in their lifetimes and never make it big, and it is. But why are they doing it? It doesn't matter. I think it does. Mm. I think it does matter. Not again. Not in like a moral sense. I think maybe that's the confusion here. Is that I don't think it's morally wrong to do any of this stuff, but I think, I think people are making their lives worse off for doing this. I think Mm. it is subjectively bad for them. And so, yeah, if you're a garage band and you're actually trying desperately to make it and be a well-known band, then, yeah, maybe it's possible your time would be better spent doing something else. Um, But if it's just you and some friends and you like to make and record music, and maybe and and maybe you make a little bit of money right you're doing stuff online and maybe one day you'll make it big but it's not really a big deal if you don't then it's not time wasted right you're still having fun with your friends yeah it's inefficient like it's bad because it's inefficient i i, I okay i get it now so if the goal is to make money right there are better ways there are more there are less risky ways to make roughly the same amount of money that you can average out and expect to make well and and again i think it i think it it diminishes i think Doing something like that in pursuit of money diminishes the quality of the experience of doing the thing as well. Well, sure. Right. If I'm making music because I want to make money, that is a lesser experience than making music because I want to make music. Okay, but like, are you more worried about like because okay, let's let's let frame it like this because I think this is more realistically how it starts, right? You're 15, 16 you get a guitar or maybe you got a guitar when you were younger than Mm -hmm. that but you and your friends decide to put together a band and it starts out that you just really like being in a band but because of the priority of making music changed from just having fun you kill the thing that used to be fun and you start to resent it and hate it because it becomes about making money is that what you're saying like you're sacrificing a thing that you're turning your hobby into a job and it's not even a good job um yeah okay so it's it's bad in the way that like it's not bad due to the lost opportunity. It's bad because you ruined something that brought you, had you a lot of subjective that, value. Yeah, you had, you had something that was good in your life and you ruined it trying to make money out of it. Okay. You know what? I can agree with that. Here's my problem, though. I feel like so many people these days actually do start out with the idea of being making money. And that's more... To me, that is concerning, personally. Like I, I agree with you that it is a bad thing to take something that you love to do and then start trying to monetize it, because there's this idea of if you do this saying, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Bull crap! Right? That is a lie. That yeah. is a lie. That is a <laughs> that is a lie. That is you know yeah because it, it, again like it, it does, in the beginning it doesn't even have to be about money to ruin it. Like okay if you and your friends start a band and you start putting up your music on, you know, various like streaming platforms or whatever, um, as soon as it becomes about, Ooh, how many new followers did we get this week? Mm -hmm. As soon as you even start looking, as soon as you're looking at a number that can go up and thinking about that more than what it is that you're trying to get together and do, you've already ruined it for yourself. Yeah. And to be fair, like for those of you aren't aware of this, and I know that you're probably aware of this, I mean, that's how these websites are made. Like number go up, Skinner boxes. Like num- yes. number go up machines is what a lot of things on the internet are. And they're, because we like making number go up. There's something in our psychology that likes to see the number go up. Right, it's either, yeah, we like to see the money go up because obviously. Um, but yeah, seeing the the subscriber or follower number go up there's uh, well i don't know people might experience this differently but my assumption is that people think that that means that they're just liked by more people Mm -hmm. and people like to be liked by other people it's social approval it's positive peer pressure yes yes and i think one of the interesting things is that so a lot of services are getting rid of dislikes as a function right i think if you weren't aware of that i mean there was at one point a dislike button on both Facebook and YouTube. And I think on Twitter, even like, was there ever a dislike button on Facebook? Yeah. A long time ago. There was, I don't remember that even from back in the day when I actually had a Facebook account, which was a long time ago. Now. Yeah. I don't remember there. I mean, I remember there being jokes about how there should be a dislike button because people said some dumb stuff and we should be able to dislike it. I'm pretty sure there was. I don't think there was. I'm pretty sure there was. Maybe it was in a different timeline. There this was is a Mandela effect. Yeah. Yes. Um, another topic that we're never doing um but here's here's the interesting thing about that psychology i think real quick is that by taking it away you're not taking away the negative you're replacing the explicit negative with the implicit negative Mm -hmm. which is even more devious from a skinderbox perspective because now not only can you post things that are unpopular but it's like deafening silence because no one likes it but what's the difference between that and you just don't have a lot of people that see your thing mm-hmm. to you stat you know n- number wise there is no difference right i got three up dudes on the thing but how many, how many down dudes it? does that represent not for me to only have gotten three ups yeah yeah and like don't get me wrong if you if this is your job and you you like, okay, I'm used to getting around 5,000 updates per post, and then you get like 2,000 updates. Then it's like, oh, this is, I missed 3,000 of the people that should have upvoted this didn't. So it's bad. But that's not most people that we're, that's not the people we're talking about. We're talking about the people that are trying out to starting to try mm-hmm. and do this. Like, it's, you start out screaming into the void, you know, these messages that no one's replying to, and it's like deafeningly alone, and that like, it's not only crushing because no one engaged with you it's the implication now that there's no explicit way to deny it is because of our psychology we always take things for the worst example everyone hated this yeah yeah it's not because i am a single molecule of water in the ocean of other stuff people could be looking at right now it's that Yeah, I am a failure and nobody likes what I'm doing. Everyone saw it and no one liked it. Yeah. So I I do see what you mean. Um, but that creates like a weird so so back to what we were talking about, you know, it doing a thing you like and then caring, then selling out, right? Starting to care about the money more than the thing itself, right? I do see that that is bad, but my my only issue with it is is that. Comparing them to the people that start out, it's always been about the number, right? Like, day one, it's about the number. I am making this band to make money. Then I don't care, right? This is a business venture now. Yeah, I understand that. But I guess my issue with that is that... What about... I'm trying to figure out how that works though with the band that doesn't care and then gets famous and like actually does make it inadvertently and then starts to care later because now it's no longer a waste. Mm-hmm. you know, but do you but now you're now you're forcing the lost opportunity cost into the other way where it's like you are you know, do you sacrifice actual income now? like I understand it in the case where like you're not making any money, you would have to choose to start trying to do this. But what happens when you do make it big? Is it just as bad to switch then? Or is it less bad? Or is it bad to not switch and start caring about the money from a subjective perspective? I think it depends. So it depends on, okay, are you sacrificing other ambitions to do that, right? Because there are some folks, there are some folks who made it big and did like one album and then stopped. Um And I think th- th- there's, there's also a lot of folks that did one album that was really one or two albums that were really good. And then it just fell into the pop music formula af- thereafter and nobody likes them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um And I feel like that latter crowd is just what would happen to the first crowd. If they kept going like, people people who write songs still have the same human experiences that everyone else has right there's only so many things that you can get inspired by to write real music sure i feel like eventually yeah you run out and now it is just a job if you want to keep making money out of it mm-hmm. and so i don't blame people for saying okay i'm done writing music that really means anything to me and i just want to make money and maybe i'll have like one song on the album that is meaningful and people will really like that and everything else is just trying to be a radio hit yeah. um you know sure i can't fault people for doing that yeah i don't know i feel like there's nothing wrong as long as you acknowledge it i think i think the pernicious thing about it is when no one acknowledges that that's what you're putting a thing that you enjoy for sure on an altar to sacrifice for a chance right and that should be a choice that i think that a person can even make in a good way like it's their choice to make and I think that it is acceptable to make that choice because very seldom are we such that there's a finite number of things that will bring us joy in life you just need to make sure that if you sacrifice the thing that you used to enjoy now you're down a thing you enjoy and you need to replace that thing you enjoy with something else that you enjoy you know and for your well-being as an individual You know, it is a a viable strategy to burn things that you used to enjoy by turning them into something that you no longer enjoy for doing them for the sake of doing them, just for the chance to make money, as long as once the chance is over, abandoning it and moving on to something else that you enjoy. And inevitably, you know, you may give up on the trying to make a lot of money thing and just decide, I'm just going to do this. I think the problem comes about is when you try to have your cake and eat it too, where you always want to love making music, but you also want to make it a job that is not going to yield the outcome that you want, or it may even yield the outcome that you want as far as monetary, as far as money is concerned. But then you let you, you enter into an imbalance where you never replace it with something else you enjoy. Right. Yeah. I feel like the, um, just as a, a thought that occurred to me about this, I think, I think a way that, so, uh, you know, I think, I think every, every music career is eventually going to run into burnout as far as, as being able to make uh good music that people really care about. But I feel like the, um, the, the way that this ends up continuing for folks like that for, for, uh, usually this would be for like individual musicians, not for bands, um, is to form super groups, mm. um, when yep. when all of the the burnt out musicians from their respective bands are like, hey, what if we made our own band and be burnt out together? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's like be burnt out together, but it's like okay, pardon the pun, we get into a new rhythm. Um, it like I think it's it's the same as like with any type of work. Um, if you are even if you're fundamentally doing the same type of work, if you're doing it with new people, you have new ideas yeah um you know if you're a singer or whatever and you join a band with a different guitarist and drummer you're going to come out with different sounding stuff right and that might get that might get the creative wheels spinning again um where you were burning out with your old crew yeah we're nearing time but i also wanted to talk about with this topic just to switch gears on you i guess sure One of the notable things about the normalization of selling out is it's a very obvious and transparent increase in the priority or at least the perceived increase in the priority on making money. Mm Mm-hmm and i detractors of this movement uh, often referred like they lock this in as an example of like late stage capitalism or the capitalistic greed like becoming yes. more and more a part of the culture where everybody is every part of my life must serve the goal of making money but does everything need to be about making money and i don't know it depends it, it's your life some people like we had mentioned before you know, that they live to make number go up. they their life is their lives are made meaningful by that upgoing number. Mm-hmm. And I think my biggest issue with people that have that attitude towards it is that who are you to say what a meaningful life is to others? Because I think that's usually the attitude behind the scenes is that, Oh well, everybody should just be happy and content doing their little crafty thing for themselves and be happy and content with very little, but be happy. It's like that's fine if that's what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, but some people are built different and they just they can't be happy just doing that. Yeah. Um and I feel like one of the reasons they also really hate it is probably because they've had they've known people that have sold out who they did do that and people realize that I they realize that other people like them doing that and are willing to give them money for it. And now they get to do the thing that they enjoyed and they don't care. They still don't care about the money, but it's not caring about the money from a mansion and not caring about the money from a cardboard box hits a bit different. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of person, but one now is envious of the other, even though they know that they can't say that they are envious of it because then they are the thing that they hate and maybe that's part of what it is you know is that it's maybe a bit of self-loathingness involved with why they hate this so much is because they also would be the people who would be chasing the money potentially i don't know maybe i think in addition to resenting people for making money when you didn't um i can also see that see a reason for this to be like a, a social um like point of contention like i i cannot see myself being friends with somebody who did that who like totally sold out and like their life is is about their brand um because it is just an amplification of the experience of like going to dinner with somebody who like the first thing they do when the food arrives is snap a picture of it for instagram like imagine that but that's that person's whole life like that's their job I could not associate with such a person. (laughs) Yeah. So I can see why that would be irritating to folks who don't participate in that culture. Yeah. And I think that's just what it is. It's just a new culture, a new subculture of Mm -hmm. people who actually care about that. And it just, it happens to interact. It interacts much in the same way that there are plenty, there are plenty of people who drove to work and who sat in traffic for an hour to get to their desk job and while they were in traffic jammed out to Rage Against the Machine. Like that existed and in the same way that today exists people that don't care about all of that stuff but we still enjoy the fruits of people who do care about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're allowed to coexist. And I just think it's a new subculture in that way. The only thing I would say is that, that that isn't perhaps a perceived cost is that you know, you can be all about hustling and changing, you know, making the money and being on your game and all that. Just know that it might cost you relationships as well with people, because that is a, it's a very toxic thing to be around. And it's, it has a huge negative impact on others that don't align with that, especially when it comes to depending on like what you're actually monetizing. Like, even worse than that can you imagine having a friend that they're all about their youtube vlog and then every time you go with them anywhere they keep stopping to pull out their camera and do like a i gotta do this for the vlog and they like hold the camera up and start talking to the camera so that right, you the selfie you just, cam yeah yeah and you just kind of have to wait for them to finish and then you can talk to them again like can you imagine how annoying that is that's extremely annoying yeah and i think that's you know part of the reason why like collabs are a thing not just because it can mutually benefit both parties monetarily but because it's It's easier when you both do that, where it's like, yeah, we're having dinner. All right, cool. Well, go do your vlog thing and I'll do my vlog thing. And then maybe we'll do a vlog thing together because it's our hobby. And then later on, you know, we can go back to being friends and doing stuff in person. You know, like how I imagined it would be very weird if you and I had a third friend that didn't, that wanted to hang out on podcast night, but didn't want to be, didn't care about the podcast. And so they just had to sit over in the corner, just be the third wheel. (laughs) Yeah, that's awkward. That would be weird. Yeah. You know. So, I don't know. I don't think that's absolutely inherently negative. Uh, I think the other thing a lot of detractors would say about it is that people are stupid and they're going to... If if we create this pitfall opportunity where people will start sacrificing hobbies... Like, there's two things. People that actually just enjoy doing the thing as a hobby get really PO'd at the people who ruin the hobby by making it about money and, like, start attracting other people in the hobby. That's one thing, maybe... I could see people of a hobby being particularly angry at other people for making the hobby about money. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is people who just are upsetty spaghetti about, you know, uh, or or sorry, people who are upset that there are things, there are life paths out there that they feel like they would hate if they did it. And they just don't want that to be an option for other people. So that those other people don't accidentally fall into it because they're too stupid. Yeah. uh, They can get, yeah you can how about stop being a uh how about care about yourself yeah there's this cool thing about living your own life that you can do (laughs) yeah stop being so nosy like it's okay for you to not like it too no that's totally fine and you don't have to associate with those people that's totally fine but like you are not the arbiter of what is an okay career for people to have yeah exactly and it's not like they're asking you to be a part of it either necessarily unless they are in that case they can get bent and go do their own thing you know like I would be very upset if someone, if I went out to eat and I got a really nice dinner and went to cut into my dinner and they were like, "Wait, you have to take a picture of it first. It's beautiful." It's like, "How about you should have ordered it and you can take a picture of your own and get out of my face." You know, one of my favorite things to see. This is not something I like seek out, but I see it every now and again. Um, is videos of folks who are out to dinner with somebody who is obsessive about their Instagram feed and. Will like intentionally mess up the plate or something like that right before they get the pick. Yeah. Um, that is extremely rude, but 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 also cathartic. It, it really is. Because <laughs> like this person seems like they're insufferable to be around, and now I can watch them be upset. <laughs> yeah. Until they turn around and uh, okay, I'm waiting for the first lawsuit where someone files <laughs> a lawsuit against someone because it's like you cost my business five thousand dollars in income because you ruined my post. That's going to be hilarious. Is the first selfie bomb lawsuit and then me the defense attorney coming in and saying actually you only lost like 30 dollars to buy another plate and do it again so (laughs) the moment was gone (laughs) they interfered with my business (laughs) philosophers philosophers (laughs) if you like the music in this episode please check out jippy on bandcamp at jippy.bandcamp.com philosophers is supported by viewers like you if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss or a topic you'd like to see revisited in the future please let us know by contacting us using the methods in the description or in the comments below thank you for listening